what mortal terror felt like, you realized. Tiny fingers tickling you from the inside. Hello and welcome to this episode of Game On Girl, where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. Today we have the pleasure of interviewing Kelsey from Nerdy But Flirty and Stream Friends. And we'll talk about our summer book recommendations based on your destination of choice. So stay tuned, and we're glad you're listening to Game On Girl. Kelsey was an English major and is currently a technology services technician at an IT services department. She was introduced to gaming at a very young age and has extensive experience gaming on several platforms and genres. When not gaming, she enjoys reading, writing, drawing, movies, television, superheroes, being outdoors, adventures, and theater. It's a wonder she has any time for gaming. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Kelsey. Thank you guys for having me. It's our pleasure. So give us a little bit about your background. Tell us a little bit about about yourself and your your gaming history. Okay. Um, I started gaming when I was very little, four maybe, because my dad was really into gaming and still is. Um, It's a lot of what we bond over. The first game I remember playing is Mixed Up Mother Goose, which was a Sierra game. Um, and it didn't, it didn't kill you like all of the other Sierra games because it was made for kids. Uh (laughs) So, um, you could, uh, it was just finding the nursery rhymes and unmixing them up. And then my other, two of my other first games were, um, Full Throttle by LucasArts and, um, The Seventh Guest by Mm -hmm. Trilobite. So those three were my first games and they were adventure games. And those, that's still my, one of my two favorite genres. What's your other favorite? RPGs. Okay, naturally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Adventure and RPGs kind of go together, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It's because it's all about the story right. for both of those. Yep, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cool. And where did you go from there? So you started gaming as a family thing. Has it sort of stayed a family thing or has it be- become something that you did more on your own? Um, a little of both. Um, growing up, I, I have a sister and we're very close in age. So we would, we got a super Nintendo when I was mm, five or six, maybe. Mm-hmm. And so, so my sister, Sarah and I would play super Mario world and mortal Kombat two and whatever else we had, but those were the two main games. Mm-hmm. Yoshi's cookie, which mm-hmm. was like Tetris with cookies. Kind of. <laughs> um, it was fun. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, it's always been a, a family thing. Um, but obviously now that I'm, moved out I play a lot by myself right right do you still bond with your dad over gaming does he still game oh yeah yeah he um I got him turned on to gog.com oh geez that's dangerous I don't (laughs) know if it was was, so nice of you (laughs) it was so dangerous because he'll like every day when there's a, a every weekend when there's a sale he'll call me or we'll talk and we'll be like, what are you getting this weekend? I don't know yet. You know, my, my wallet's safe or whatever. But it's it's fun to do that with him still. Nice. That's and awesome. He, he beat me on how many games he has on there now. I oh. started before him. He has like 300 games. Oh, my on, goodness. Just on GOG. Yeah, well, there's something about um, having a disposable income later in life. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that allows you to be a little bit more free with uh, with the purchases, especially with sales like GOG has. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, here, you can buy all of these for $2. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you play on Steam, right, Kelsey? 
yes, yep. I I have Steam, I have GOG, and I have a 360, and I have a PS3. <laughs> oh, okay. That, that's what I was going to ask next. So, are, do you have a game usually going on all of those, or do you um, tend to just play one game at a time? I tend to try to play one game at a time, just because most of the ones I play are story heavy, and if I get away from one, I'll be lost kind of like oh what quest was I doing again <laughs> yeah, yeah but I mean I'm still not done with Skyrim and I've had it since it came out <laughs> oh wow and uh, I know it's sad but uh I feel like you could never really be 100% done with that so yeah it's... that's what I've heard I haven't played that because I feel like it's a rabbit hole oh it absolutely is I I couldn't tell you what my hours on it is Mm -hmm. but it's very high (laughs) yeah yeah I have friends who just found it and at our last board game meeting they were talking and they're like oh well you can do this and you can do this and if you wanted to you didn't you don't have to fight and you can do this and you can do this and there's this and I'm like I'm not going anywhere near that game yeah (laughs) I already knew that but I'm like I'm not going because they are friends that I used to play wow with as well and Uh you know I you can get lost in wow as well with you know crafts and all kinds of other things that aren't necessarily the main you know focus of the game i was just like no right i will opt out thanks (laughs) (laughs) so kelsey you're on a um a desert island and you can only have one rpg game what would it be baldur's gate 2 shadows of um that's Uh my favorite ever (laughs) Uh Um, i've probably played that one at least i mean i've started it a whole bunch but i probably played through it at least nine or ten times I love that game. (laughs) I'm not familiar with it. Do you, um, is there only one uh, protagonist character that you can play or can you create multiple, can you roll multiple characters? You can, yep, you can roll multiple characters. It's set in the Dungeons and Dragons universe. So you have all of those classes to choose from. Um, I think it it uses 2.5 rolls at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, yeah, I got that when I, for my 13th birthday. And I think that that's one of the most informative games, like on my tastes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And so well, you said you finished it like nine times. Did you roll nine different characters? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, they all had similarities. They're mostly, a, I don't think I ever finished it with a boy character, but um, like with the girl, with all the girls, I would make them different classes and different options, different. And there's a ton of mods for that game too. So there's so many things I could do with it. Awesome. What platform is that on? Uh, PC. That's a PC game. I thought it was a PC game. I wasn't sure, though. Yep, you can get it on GOG. There were some console spin-offs, but they're not as in-depth story-wise mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. They're more like Gauntlet kind of thing. Yeah. Cool. Well, that that must be pretty profound if it's a game that you played when you were 13 and it's something that you'd you'd want as your only game to play on a desert island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that age is pretty formative oh yeah absolutely absolutely although you know (laughs) i date myself when i say that the games from that that time that i was playing were were zork (laughs) so text adventures before there were even visuals to go with your with your rpgs (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) so kelsey how do you go about um uh starting your character how do you go about building that avatar? Do you have a basic backstory that you start with or a special class? Um, I don't really think about her story so much, but um, 
beyond what the game already gives you, like in Mass Effect, you pick the three backgrounds or whatever. Right. But um, class-wise, I tend to go as sneaky, whatever that may be, rogue <laughs> or whatever, mm-hmm. just because I like that style of play the most, being not having to fight all the time, um, being able to talk myself out of things. <laughs> so you like high charisma scores. Yes. <laughs> yes. High speech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Persuasion. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So what choices do you make physically about your avatar when you're creating one? Um, I try to make her look like me, a short, pale brunette. <laughs> 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 um, just because, I don't know, I, I like seeing kind of myself in the game. I think it's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. And curly hair like me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's not always in there. So that's. I was just going to ask that because um, our intern actually wrote a piece about being a self gamer and having curly mm-hmm. hair and how hard it is to actually find an avatar choice for curly hair. Yeah. 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 I don't know why that is, but I mean, some, some games are good about it. Like um, I just made, I just started Dragon Age two and there was a great wavy curly that mm-hmm. I thought was good for, for me. Yeah. Well, I always think of how bad the curly hair options are on, um, on the Miis that you make on the Wii. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're really sad, really sad, because I have curly hair as well, and I'm always like, oh, yeah, that looks yeah. like a crimp from the 80s. <laughs> I really have no desire to identify with that. <laughs> yeah, I can visualize that one right now, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what is it? So we know you from Nerdy But Flirty and from a website you just told us about, streamfriends.tv. So why don't you tell us what your role is at Nerdy But Flirty? Um, I started at Nerdy But Flirty in October 2012 because I had liked their Facebook page because I had read some articles and enjoyed them. And I saw them post on Facebook that they needed an editor because theirs was leaving. Mm-hmm. So I so I emailed Sarah, my editor-in-chief, and I said, hey, I just graduated. I'm an English major. Um, can we talk? And then she hired me from there. <laughs> so that was pretty awesome. And I'm the head editor and a writer for the website. So I do a lot of reviews and other. Yeah. Pieces. I read through some of your reviews on the site. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were very informative. I always like when I get a good sense of a game from a review, but I don't feel like it's been ruined for me. So that's, it's, you do a good job with that. Yeah. I really try to avoid spoilers because mm-hmm. I hate spoilers myself. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. What's the hardest thing about being an editor for the site? Um, Sometimes just making sure that we have enough content. Mm, yeah. And because um, I don't mind the actual editing part. I think that's fun. But uh, I guess just keep making sure like that I keep ahead of the schedule and seeing, oh, we we might have a thin week next week. Let's try to get some people to write some stuff mm-hmm. or filling in that gap for myself. Like if I can write a quick Kickstarter article or something. Right. Right. So you can kind of step up and fill in the holes you have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you do you set a schedule for um, writing your game reviews or are they, do you just approach those as they come out or, or how do you choose which ones you do? Um, I try to do them in the order that I get them. Um, sometimes if it's a longer game, I'll, it'll take longer, obviously. But, um, or if I like Nor Syndrome, which I just, I think that's my most recent review. That's a really short game that can be played in short bursts. So I did that review fairly quickly. But um, I have a couple that I've been sitting on for a little bit just because um, they're long and I'm having difficulty with them. And I don't want to 
it's also hard because you don't want to misrepresent a game that you haven't played. So sometimes yeah, I've had to be like, hey, I, I'm really bad at this and I don't want to give you guys a crappy review. So <laughs> sorry. <laughs> this just didn't work for me. That doesn't mean it doesn't work. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a fine distinction you can go through. I think I think people get lost in that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so what about uh, Stream Friends? Tell us how, how that kind Friends? of came about. Yeah, Stream Friends, um, I started, I actually started following them because of they started a Baldur's Gate 2 playthrough. So that was the first one that I <laughs> checked out. And um, uh, Phil Kolar, the, um, I think he's, I want to check this now because I don't want to say it wrong. Um, he works at Polygon. He is the, he is the deputy reviews editor at Polygon. Mm-hmm. And I started, he's the one who started Stream Friends mm-hmm. and I started following him and then event, and then we talked a little bit and eventually he asked me if I wanted to be a stream friend. So I was like, sure, that'd be awesome. I love you guys. And there's a whole group of dedicated, awesome people who come in and we stream games a lot on the Twitch channel, which is mm-hmm. um, twitch.tv slash stream friends. And it's so fun just because it's people hanging out who really like games and we kind of get into some heavier subjects on some games like we played mobius the jane jensen game Mm -hmm. and um you know explored the problematic things in that game so it was it's really i always joke that i learn something new every time i watch a stream friends but it's kind of (laughs) true oh that's cool that's 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 definitely a different approach i think than a lot of streamers take Mm -hmm. yeah as an editor how do you keep up with so there's so much content out there anymore yeah there's so much information there's so much technology um and especially you know during the the summer going right into the fall when all the cons are out uh how do you keep up (laughs) um i mean because nerdy but flirty is has a focus i think it makes it a little easier so if there's something happening feminist wise or diversity wise we try to cover that quickly Mm-hmm. Um, and as for con season, um, we, Sarah, the editor in chief, she sent out before E3, our assignments for the, this week, which has kept us, you know, on top of the, of E3. Um, and that's typically what we do for all the cons and stuff is just nice. make sure everybody knows what they're doing. Um, so does that mean like one person is covering what Nintendo is talking about and one person's covering what Sony or yeah, yeah. that kind of thing? Yep, on, on Monday we had an article with the four pressers that happened Monday. Mm-hmm. And then Tuesday I did the Nintendo one and then the rest of E3 that day. And today we just put out um, the wrap-up for today, which we talked about the Assassin's Creed thing and stuff like that. So Yeah, I just got an article about that. Yeah. About um, they're not having another female protagonist. Yeah, which is especially crappy because, you know, they say fully customizable except your gender yeah exactly cool (laughs) right i mean i don't know i don't know yeah it's like don't you have the rig lying around from eveline like it can't be that difficult exactly you know (laughs) that that well that's always you know that's always the the line is oh it would be so difficult to put a female body form in the game (laughs) and it's just a load of crap (laughs) It, it really is and then And then today, which I want to make sure that we cover, the Far Cry people said, oh, we were this close to having a a woman character. It's like, okay, then why didn't you do it? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So you were thinking about it. Why didn't you go through and actually do it? 
almost doesn't count. No. (laughs) Well, and that's what, you know, the Assassin's Creed people were like, well, we've had a female before, so we're good. We have that covered. And I was like, what? (laughs) Yep. Yep. We did our our diversity. We're all set now. Yes. We can just go right back to, you know. (laughs) Here's four dudes. Yeah. Hetero white male (laughs) characters for you to play. (laughs) Did you see any of this, Rhonda? Um, I read the article after you sent it to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I, d- I don't totally agree, but <laughs> that's, that's okay. the reason I'm not saying it. Uh, okay. You can disagree. Yeah. <laughs> I just th- I just think that there probably is a whole lot more involved than just the simple idea that I mean they have got um, Assassin's Creed is not a small franchise. Mm-hmm. It is a huge franchise and. It's it, to me. It could be very easy that they completely mismanaged their development mm. and did not leave the appropriate amount of money to create the female avatar, which is a s- stupid, screwy um, thing. But there are just so many steps in the process that could justify the idea that uh, we couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a stupid excuse because that all has to go back to business 101, business, right. business planning 101. And actually having a plan to to incorporate yeah. that or to exactly. have that be a, a, a value or something that, you know, they're a priority. But f- with all the companies I've worked for, for the past five years, I, I haven't found one that actually is doing a business plan. <laughs> So if a gaming company happens to be doing a business plan, I I would be shocked because I think their turnaround and the expectations from their publishers and their distribution company Mm -hmm. um, are probably just so tremendously unreasonable that Mm they are they're doing more of like a waterfall type approach to development they just get one thing working pass it on and that's a that's the other thing they could have they could have coded themselves into a corner um if if you think about uh, not having replaceable modules or parameters or whatever mm-hmm. yeah that would have made it so that they couldn't create a female character within budget because they didn't have it planned from the beginning so they would have to recreate their base there's just a whole lot involved there still mm-hmm. needs I, th- I think that they're i think that their pr is bad yeah yes yeah yeah because the the guy who did that first interview or whatever he said yeah they were they were in it and then we we got rid of them like yeah <laughs> it's like that's okay. not it's it's you know it's easy to it, it's not easy to explain but it's also not hard to explain mm-hmm. and their customers are some of the smartest people on the planet and they're also actually some of the more reasonable people on the planet so i have to do you know we're all technologically minded mm-hmm. go ahead and tell us it's like you know uh, you know, we started with an old base in the code and we didn't end up having enough money to go back and recreate. We didn't have a plug and play like we should have had. Then people would, you know, they, we appreciate gen, uh, genuine response. Right. We appreciate right. honesty and truth and just like, yeah, we want one. This is, look at the great pictures we drew, but right. you know. Yeah, well, that's why that response felt like such a brush off. Yes, to me, exactly. You know? And 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 that's the problem, like you said, Rhonda, when you're dealing with an intelligent population, yeah, that's engaged and is paying attention to these kinds of details. Mm-hmm. You you give a response like, "Well, we had this character," and we're like, "Well, great. Why is that enough?" <laughs> yeah. 
speak to us intelligently Mm -hmm. and then the audience needs to be careful anytime you want to say something where you say well all you have to do is right uh, don't do that right don't know what their jobs involved there's a whole lot going on but at the same time keep asking the question why isn't there a female character yeah keep asking well, right. it's just like that Joss Whedon response to, you know, why do you yes. keep writing, you know, strong characters? It's like, because you keep asking me that question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway. <there's>, but that's, <laughs> that, that's, and that's why I like really, really good, thorough reporting on these stories instead of just, you know, sound an opinion, a soundbite mm-hmm. or an opinion. Hey, why'd you guys screw this up? Well, um, like like um, Kelsey said, you sh- you should have had a better answer, right? Yeah. Well, and it should matter overall. Like you know, those responses should they should pay attention to who's speaking and what's being said. Yeah. Which I think is is something that I haven't been I haven't been actively following E three this time because this year because I just can't I just can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why I asked Kelsey how she keeps up. <laughs> Um, just sitting on Twitter <laughs> a yeah. lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I it was funny because I, I, I knew E3 was this week, but I didn't, you know, follow a lot of announcements and when things were happening. And I couldn't figure out on Monday why my Twitter feed was filling up so fast. <laughs> I had so many new messages, like, so fast. And I'm like, what's going on? And then I realized that everything was about E3. And then I was like, oh, okay. Right. Everybody's either, you know, tweeting how excited they are about something or how outraged they are about something or why aren't they doing this and what's happening and all the all the options that generally come out of E3. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to be spending small amounts of time on Twitter this week. <laughs> well, since you mentioned it, I want to ask both of you guys this. Do you, do you use some sort of um, some sort of uh, feed app for Twitter for reading your tweets? Or collecting no. your tweets. I do it straight on the site, yeah, straight on the too. website. Yeah, oh. same here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I tried. Um, I tried Hootsuite. I think it was mm-hmm. a while back because I do have the two accounts to manage, and you can only be logged into one in a browser right. at a time. But I just happen to use two browsers every day, so okay. I can be logged into both of them and you know in separate browsers. But um, yeah, I haven't, and I, I really what I really need to do is learn how to use lists more because um, that's a really efficient way to kind of you know narrow down your yeah, following. That's what I do. Yeah, um, I use the lists because I follow uh, close to two thousand, but I only really read about three hundred of those mm-hmm. secrets. <laughs> <laughs> It started out, that list started out as people I knew in real life, but then I expanded it to people that were cool and people I wanted to read and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, things you're interested in that you actually want to see. Yeah, I'm getting to the point now where I have, I'm following almost 700 people now, so Mm -hmm. um, I need to get it kind of, you know, narrowed in. And some things I just follow for fun, like, you know astrology or you know that kind of thing Mm -hmm. um that i just want to every now and then i want to look at just for fun and i need those to be in a separate place from you know the content that i want to be reading from the sites that i'm interested in um and i was i was one of those people who kind of lost it when google reader went away (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah that had been the place i had been following everything for a long time and i've really never kind of gotten back into anything other than Facebook taking over that for me. And um, Facebook is fl- flighty with what it shows you. So it gets kind of. Annoying. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's a whole nother issue. <laughs> 
and a whole nother soapbox I could get on. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, I was just curious. There were early on there were there were several apps, desktop mm-hmm. app, desktop apps that were really, I mean, for the most part they were really great, but eventually um, they would do an update or something, and they would just get flaky and unusable. And I was like, man, if anybody would were to ever really get hold of this. Um, because those those apps had some really great features. I really loved it. Yeah, that's what that's what I heard when actually when I was looking to try to find an app. Everybody's like, oh, this was great until they updated this. And this was great <laughs> until they did yes. this. And I was like, okay, great. None of this works. And then I was so used to being on the website that, you know, when you're used to a certain way of managing things, it's hard to kind of step back from that and be, oh, okay, this is this is how we do things now. Kind of like well, every- at least I never I've never heard of the lists before, so I oh to really? Yeah, I don't. Oh. Mean, I just don't. I just don't spend that much time. I also only have three hundred people I'm following. So you people, you two are professional. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd include myself in that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how this happened, really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Isn't the way social media is right? Exactly. I don't know how this happened. Oh, Yeah, I got I got called something I didn't know I was. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, funny, funny, funny. Well, you did take the uh, gamer quiz though, didn't you, Kelsey? I did. I did. And and were you surprised? Um, no, I I was kind of like, oh yeah, that fits. (laughs) So it's uh, it's self gamer. Um, it's actually it's fifty percent self, forty five percent role, and five percent mastery. How about that? About that. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of had a feeling. I had a feeling that self was going to be the most because you said you you tend to make your avatar look like you. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I wondered a little bit about role play. So what are some aspects of role play that you tend to include in your gaming? Um, Other than playing RPGs, of course. If um, Most of the time I like to play a good playthrough mm-hmm. and an evil playthrough if I have <laughs> that option. And um, Like in Fallout? <laughs> yes, like Fallout, Fable... Mass Effect. Mass Effect, yeah. Knights um, Old Republic, whatever. But um, anything that has the sliding scale of morality. Mm-hmm. And um, But I always feel really guilty if I have to do a bad thing. But sometimes I'm like, well, can I do this? And my favorite thing was in Mass Effect when I was being my evil character. In Mass Effect, I was like, can I double, double cross this person? And I could do it. And I was like, this is the most evil thing I've ever done. And this is the best. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> so I like finding, like, the what if moments and kind of doing that in a, you know, in a, in a situation where it's not going to cause any real life consequences. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it's one of the things that's nice about, I mean, I love and I've, I've wanted to kind of study and explore uh, the games that have morality scales in them, um, karma scales or whatnot, uh, because I think they're really interesting in how it adds depth to the storytelling and your experience as a player. Um, but I haven't had a, I haven't had a chance to really kind of dig into that. So is that like among your favorite types or ways to game is to 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 go and and have those options to do the the good and the bad or uh, play it with a different um, bend to it each time. Yeah. Yeah, I like seeing the all the different ways the story can play out, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> the uh, and it, it's really fun to see, you know, does this choice make a difference, right? Or or is this just like an artificial kind of thing, right? Uh, for my 
senior year of college, I took a class called Values and Ethics, and we had to do a, a big senior project at the end of the year. And I picked to do it on video games. So one part was watching people play The Sims and seeing what they did. Uh. And, the, and the other part was exploring all the different kinds of morality skills and stuff. So mm-hmm. that was fun. Interesting. Um, my favorite, like, I don't necessarily like the black and white good and evil, but I do like when you have a reputation, mm-hmm. especially in like the original fallouts when say you did a bunch of bad things in junk town, but maybe you're okay in the hub because right. nobody has talked about it yet. Right. So I think that's more realistic. Yeah. Um, and when you get like karma traits, so if you've been digging up the graves, then mm-hmm. you get a grave digger trait. So right. people are talking about you like, hey, did you see Kelsey over in the graveyard the other day? You know, so I think that makes more sense. Yeah. Rather than the, you know, I'm going to give you good points or bad points for what you did. Right. And everyone automatically knows this. Right. Even if they weren't there. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, what game would, would be in that second category where it didn't really sort of have the, the realistic morality choices? Um, I mean, I think every, well, in Nice Little Republic, which was the first one, I think, that had that slide mm-hmm. morality, that makes sense because of how the force is right. portrayed, you know? But then in um, in Jade Empire, they tried to do the same thing. And it was, you know, it, it was be a really nice person or be a complete jerk, you know? They didn't so, get any grayscale involved in right. there. Yeah, exactly. And it's really hard to find the grayscale in pretty much anything with the sliding morality. So it's it's just hard. Yeah. And I think that... Um, I just started Dragon Age 2 and you don't really have um, a reputation or you don't really have the sli- you don't have the sliding seal. You just have a reputation amongst your party members, mm-hmm. which I like. And that's different. So, yeah, I like doing that in Civ, too. In yeah. Civ- Civilization. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because you've got the city states. Right. And I mean, I've played it where I've tried to be friends with everybody Mm -hmm. and make all the city states like me. And then I've just picked a handful of them that I want to be on my side. And they'll ask me to go beat up other people and I'll go, I'll go to conquer the other ones and they'll start picking on them. I was like, uh, uh, don't you touch them. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I love that because it it gives you a a little bit more power Mm -hmm. and, like you said, it makes it a little more realistic. It's it's more immersive. Yeah, the first time I played Civ Five, I well, I didn't I didn't really know how to play, and so I had somebody's, you know, explorers wander into my territory, and I immediately killed them. <laughs> and so I and so everybody for the whole game was terrified of me. Yeah, <laughs> because that was like my initial move in the game was to yep. you know to kill the other people, but I didn't I didn't know that like. You know, they probably would have just wandered off another direction had I not, you know, attacked them. But I'm yeah. like, oh, there's bad guys. I need to kill them, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I, I learned that one the hard way with, the, you know, all the dignitaries coming up to you. And they're like, oh, they're cowering at your feet. And I was like, OK, I guess I mean. <laughs> and then I had it explained to me what I was doing. And I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> I so haven't do you... played Civ in a long time. Yeah, I, do, I just bought, um, I played Civ 3 a lot when my dad bought it, and I just got it again on Steam for like a dollar. So mm-hmm. I'm excited. And I got Civ 5 when it was on Super Sale a little bit ago. So Yeah, how many hours do you have logged in Civ 5, Rhonda? 
about 300 yeah about 300 that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> i love soup <laughs> the power i want to rule the world <laughs> oh so so what did you find out kelsey with your with your study watching people play the sims <clears throat> what did you kind of discover about them it was it was just really fun to see all the different play styles mm-hmm. and to see like who made themselves and who made a who made up characters and some people were, were really invested in the story part of it and some people were more invested in let me build a house for two hours real quick right <laughs> um and uh um i watched a the, my favorite part was watching a couple play it together because that was how they play it and um it and they had made themselves in the sims and um at one point somebody a, a man came over and the girl sim cheated on <laughs> the boy sim and it, they started yelling at each other in real life and it was so funny oh my god <laughs> but um and then you know i had a one of the people i watched lit a fire on purpose you know so there, <laughs> there's all all kinds of you know that game is so sandboxy you can do whatever yeah. so i thought it was a good thing to observe people doing yeah when you're when you're granted freedom what happens right yeah. exactly what do people do with that yeah i i've i've thought that that was kind of interesting too so what kind of conclusions did you draw from that i mean it's interesting to see kind of the mapping of you know the the in-game cheating you know resulting mm. in a in an argument amongst uh, <laughs> you know a real life couple yeah do you have other things like that that happened or any kind of conclusions um, that you came to i'd have to look at the paper to be yeah. honest with you it's been yeah. a while but yeah. um i think that i was mostly just observing and um, then at the end I would write down like what I thought morality wise they were going for. And it was, it was linked to the morality theories that we were learning about, which of course I'm not gonna be able to remember right yeah. now, but yeah. you know, like many versus one and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Fun, fun stuff. See, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I can stuff. send you the stuff if you want. Oh, I'd love to read it. Okay. <laughs> it's such yeah. a dork. No, that's I fine. I can really send would. it to you guys. Yeah, that would be great. I'd love to take a look at it. I just love I love examples of how people how people game and what they do, uh, which mm-hmm. is of course what we're here for. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what are some of your um? Do, do you? I, I think that you mentioned gaming in uh, multiplayer environments. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, do you have good or bad experiences that you? Um, I play League of Legends and uh-huh. I'm terrible at it. <laughs> um, I've been playing for probably a year now and I'm just starting to get more of the hang of it. Like mm-hmm. I put up a screenshot the other day. I was like, I had 15 kills. How did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> um, but luckily I've only, um, I've mostly only played with friends. It's when I branch out and play with strangers that I get really, I didn't, I had never had a nasty comment until the other day. And um, I was playing league with my sister and then there were, I think three random people. And one of the people on my, on our team was just so angry because they thought I was feeding, which is in league is when you intentionally help the other team and get killed. Oh. But I, I wasn't, I'm just really bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, he, he, I'm assuming it was a he because of the swear word that he used the C word. Oh. I was like, oh. okay. <laughs> um, and we were, we reported him after, but it was just, it was, that was the first time that I had ever like gotten actual, like, like I didn't feel good after that. Like I, I didn't play for a little bit um, Mm. for the rest of that night. So it just kind of bummed me out and it was like, Oh, why did, 
you know, why? It, yeah. And it, it was a, it was a fun mode too. Like it wasn't like we're, we're, we weren't in ranked by any means. So wow. Um, oh, that's but, that's unfortunate. Um, yeah, but I mean, mostly I love playing with my friends. Um, pretty much anything like Mario Party and stuff like that. Mario Kart. I feel like Nintendo is probably the best for multiplayer, especially local multiplayer. Oh, absolutely, I would agree. And um, you know, that's what we would always play, like at my grandma's house or mm-hmm. stuff like that. So yeah, I think I actually think that that's one of the real benefits of the Wii U is is its focus on playing in person together. Right. And like all the Nintendo stuff that they showed at E3 was like, maybe my next thing should be a Nintendo thing. And I'm mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm looking at a, a 2DS. I think that would be fun because I really like Animal Crossing and all that stuff. But I haven't played any of that kind of thing since the GameCube, really. Right. My sister has a Wii, but we haven't played it a ton, which I'm hoping will be different now because we're neighbors. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Aww, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's one of Rhonda's favorite ways to game is actually in the room with with other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like that's how I play League a lot because um, I have a whole bunch of friends. I work at a college, and like my sister plays it, and her boyfriend, and now my sister works here too. And um, some student friends that I had when I was still a student because I work at the same college that I went to. But um, so they will they'll all come over and bring their laptops, and we'll all play. Mm-hmm. in the same room and it's really fun yeah and yeah. just like trying out new steam games like um risk of rain was what i just tried with my friend jake and i was like oh this is cool and it's so cool to like have a friend there to help you with stuff and explore things with you and things like that right because then it has a certain depth to it that you can kind right. of get with if you like mumble um but it's still not quite the same as when you're mm-hmm. in person and you're actually seeing the person's face and you right. know, their body language and all that as they're gaming right yeah oh yeah. and i just i just thought of this is funny um in the winter we had a snow day and my my 13 year old cousin texted me and said what are you doing and i said i have a snow day and he said do you want to play minecraft i was like okay so you know from hours away we could play minecraft together mm-hmm. on a snow day and it was so yep. cool That's yeah awesome That is awesome. Technology is great. Yeah, it is. I have lots of friends who are all over the country. And a lot of times that's how we end up keeping in touch with each other is hopping on and gaming together. Mm -hmm. And it really it really does help bridge the distance because then you have a common thing. It's like, you know, you're doing it together and you have something to talk about, which can be difficult when you don't have that. So, yeah. Right. Well, let's see. Are you ready for the big question, Kelsey? Sure. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> this is the question that I started the t- dissertation research with and was kind of okay. the, the one that we were bouncing around. So how would you define a gamer? Actually, I had a similar conversation on Twitter the other day. Oh, but, really? Uh, just because someone was feeling down about the kind of games they liked. And I said, as long as you're having fun, that's really the only thing that makes you a gamer. Or not. It doesn't matter what you're playing, as long as you're playing and having fun and, you know, getting some kind of enjoyment out of what mm-hmm. you're doing. It doesn't matter if you're playing Candy Crush or, you know, Mass Effect or whatever. As long as you have fun, you're a gamer, I think. Hmm. Exactly. I that. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. So is the conversation you're having with somebody being like told that they were a casual gamer or not a real gamer or something like that? The the person just um, was questioning their taste in games. Like, yeah. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, don't do that. You know, whatever yeah. you like is fine. Yeah. It, 
doesn't really matter. Like, I can stand by that as someone who has played many, many, many games that people would call casual or, you yeah, know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, if, if my mom and I are playing Words with Friends, I think that makes her a gamer yeah. of, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, so... Yeah, especially if it's something you do daily or something you continue to return to. And like you said, you derive pleasure from it. Right. Definitely. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you don't, I don't think you have to be like a hardcore Call of Duty person or anything to qualify as a yeah. gamer. Well, and a lot of times what people want to do is privilege their own experiences. So they want their favorite game or their favorite way to play to right. be what a real gamer is. Right. Which is unfortunate. And- yeah, it's very ex- exclusion- exclusionary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Which, you know, that's a big problem in the industry right now, mm-hmm. I think, is, you know, it's kind of like a, it feels like a boys club a lot of the time. And I know that's not true for every game. There's tons of indies that are doing awesome stuff. But yeah. the AA, the AAA studios and things sometimes feel like, you know, like you said at the beginning, um, same generic male main character. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And there, and it's also, I mean, it goes beyond just the main character too, where the games are just the same over and over again. Right, right. You know, and it's, and I can kind of understand it because you get, uh, you know, in as you know, Rhonda was talking about the cost for production. You know, producing a shooter is 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 less expensive than producing something that's innovative and has a different type of gameplay behind it. Right. Because they have to, they don't know, they don't, and they don't know that it's going to succeed, whereas most shooters have a base market. Yeah. Um, but again, and then on the other side, like, in during E3, every time they showed a shooter, I was, you know, kind of bored. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, what what can you see? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they all kind of blended together. Yeah. You know, it's just... Uh, yeah, they don't leave an impression anymore because it's no. just, it's just a wash of people shooting at each other right basically yeah and, <laughs> and then I mean, i've been i've been known to enjoy a shooter yeah in my in my time but yeah you know i played a lot of quake 3 as a, a kid yeah <laughs> but, but uh yeah you know you kind of got half-life half-life is good yeah half-life made me sick i can't play half-life <laughs> oh the, the the just the motion emotion yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's one of a handful of games that i i tried and i just couldn't i couldn't play mm-hmm. um but, you know, but I have my shooters that I go back to, like, you know, Rhonda and I are both are fans of uh, Left 4 Dead 2. Nice. Um, yeah. And I love that game. And when I need a shooter, that's pretty much where I go because, the, you know, and even even with that, sometimes it's just the satisfaction of having a chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. It really is. It really is the satisfaction of being able to go into that game with a chainsaw. And yeah. I always return to it for that reason. And I also, all my friends play it and, and that. So I have lots of experience with it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Kelsey, yeah. it's been awesome having on you, having you on the show. Thank you. I was glad you guys asked me. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're, fun. we're big fans of the uh, nerdy, but flirty website because you guys Thank have got you. some great resources out there and um, really great writers. And so we love uh, recommending you anyway. Yeah. Um, so you. it's good to have one of the editors on and, and know how things work. Um, yeah. And if you guys haven't checked out Nerdy But Flirty, please go do that. Oh, yeah. 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 Yes. Go. Cool. Lots, Lots of, of cool E3 stuff. Lots of coverage this yeah. week. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of reviews. Yeah. Tons of good content. So definitely go and make sure to check it out.
Well, I don't know about you, but I am plowing through books right now. And summertime is a great time to update your reading list. And I'm getting ready to go to UtopiaCon in Nashville. So I have several young adult and new adult books on my list. So I thought maybe we might talk about uh, recommendations for summer vacation reading. Absolutely. I, I love I love reading during the summer. There's nothing quite like a, a summer afternoon where you can sit outside in your yard or by the beach or wherever else you might be with a good book and a great story and just kind of lose yourself. Well, we picked just three very generic uh, destination choices, the beach, the mountains, or international travel. And we're going to recommend one book in each of these categories from each of us. And uh, I think we'll do this through the summer. Yeah, I think this will be a nice little sort of summer segment. Yeah, because I, I had trouble just picking one. So <laughs> I always have trouble just picking one. I always break the rules. I almost did that on this. I'm like, hey, here you go. Here's 20 uh, books. <laughs> save it till next time. Well, what would you be your beach recommendation? My beach recommendation would be... Um, a book in a series by PC Cast, who is uh, one of the authors of the House of Night series that I've talked mm -hmm. about. Oh. Um, and she writes a series called the Goddess Summoning series, which essentially takes traditional or, you know, Roman and Greek goddesses and has modern women in invoke them. Cool. And it's really cool. It's it's kind of a, a, a light uh, erotica kind of book so there are some you know pretty pretty graphic pretty pretty you know intense sex scenes in them um and each one has on a different theme that relates to the goddess of of choice that happens to be in in the story so the one that i've picked for the beach is uh called goddess of love and it is of course venus being invoked by um a woman, her name is P, P-E-A is her name, and she's kind of bookish and quiet, and, um, the, you know, Venus kind of comes into her life and, and teaches her how to embrace other parts of, of who she is, um, with a really complicated twist in kind of the love aspect of, of mm. that story, which I, which I won't tell, you know, so you can go read it. But when I think about reading at the beach, I always think about, you know, relaxing, um, having, you know, some kind of fruity cocktail that has, you know, a, an umbrella involved, um, or fruit on a stick of some kind. Um, <laughs> and I think of, you know, sort of more lighthearted, uh, reading. And, and what I liked about this is, is there, the stories are kind of lighthearted, but the, the sort of uh, retelling or the 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 reinvolvement of the Greek goddesses, I think, is really kind of nice. It is. Uh, yeah, it's really it's really different. It kind of adds a, a level of depth to a lighter reading that it wouldn't normally have. So yeah, goddess of love, PC cast. So what's your beach recommendation, Rhonda? Uh, my beach recommendation is "Where'd You Go, Bernadette" by Maria Simple. And I believe that I've mentioned it on here before, but the um, the lead character's name is B. Yours was P. Mine is How B. How funny is that? Where is B? B E E. Mm -hmm. um, B is. Um, I tried to find a day because I couldn't remember how old she is, but she is in school. Um, I believe she's she's no older than high school age. She's I think she's still in um, junior high school, mm -hmm. uh, and her mother has disappeared. Um, her mom began behaving very erratically and until she actually got to the point where she was very agoraphobic and then she disappeared. Mm. And so the story that Simple tells is from B's perspective, 
as she's accumulating email messages and documents and secret correspondence and all this uh, electronic type stuff to try to figure out where her mom went. And it's a really fun read. It really is. Awesome. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I think the beach sort of, you know, calls for fun, fun reading, right? Lighthearted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about for the mountains? Well, for the mountains, I wanted to, I wanted to suggest something that was kind of meaty and thick that you'd want to kind of dig into, because that's what at least I feel like the mountains inspires in terms of reading. Uh, so I picked book one from George R. R. Martin's Songs of Fire and Ice. Uh, so the Game of Thrones books. Um, it's the only one I've actually read all the way through. I think I stopped somewhere in the middle of book two when I was watching season two and my, I was having <laughs> brain you know, meltdown trying to figure out what was going on between the book and the and the TV show. And I have decided now that I'm watching all of the TV show before I go back to the books. Oh, okay. I just want to okay. let the TV show surprise me because, wow, there are just some surprises in that book. He really doesn't like his characters. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> it is a brutal time. It is a brutal time. It is, it is a brutal place. Um, yeah, so um, I, I feel like it's a, it's a good hearty book um, that you can kind of dig your teeth into and um, give you, you know, well, probably nightmares in the cabin if you're <laughs> hanging out in a cabin in the mountains. <laughs> keep your sword by your by your by your bedside (laughs) oh yeah absolutely after you put it down just in case (laughs) so what about you for mountain recommendations uh well that's funny i was going to recommend the troop by nick cutter Mm -hmm. uh, which is a very isolated tale it's uh about a uh boy's scouting type troop is not i don't think it's boy scouts but Mm -hmm. it's a scouting type troop that go over to an island there's you can only get to it by boat and they get Mm. stranded there along with uh uh, a couple of wild crazed diseased people zombie-like type people oh um it's kind of a zombie-like story but it's a it's a entirely different um infection Mm. Um, very very creepy um and it's you know all these young boys and they, the, the adults are annihilated. I mean, they're, they're the, their scout leader is infected immediately. Oh, so wow. the, the boys are left on their own mm-hmm. devices and <clears throat> can't get off the island and nobody's coming to rescue them, which they do not understand. Oh, boy. Um, we're not talking about a remote out in the middle of the ocean island. We're talking about, you know, um, up in uh, New England and off in a little cove and, Mm -hmm. you know, very, very accessible, but nobody seems to be coming to help them out. It's really weird. Uh, Very isolating. So if you want a good, a good scare around the campfire, uh, give the troop, give the troop a try. Interesting. So international, I guess part, one of the things I was thinking of is the uh, long plane trip across, (laughs) across the ocean, but yeah, uh, also, just maybe international topics. I didn't know. Which way did you go? I, I kind of went more with um, uh, a good conversation piece. Oh, um, yeah. So thinking of uh, less of the actual travel time um, mm-hmm. and more of sitting in a cafe in, you know, some European city reading something that someone might ask you about. Yeah. Um, cafes. Yeah. Italian coffee. Yes. Oh, it takes me back. Yes, it does, I'm sure. Damn it. 
been so long since I've traveled like that. Um, <laughs> so I picked uh, one of my all-time favorite novels. Uh, this I think I've mentioned it on another list that we did before, but um, it's one of those that I read uh, pretty much once a year. It's Alice McDermott's Child of My Heart. It's a coming-of-age story of a young teen girl, Teresa, um, in Long Island, uh, one, and it, it's a, it's a tale told sort of o- over a summer. So that was one reason why I thought it was sort of appropriate for this, this list. Um, and it's an American author and it's an American kind of story, um, because it is based in Long Island. There's a lot about the area in the story itself. So I thought mm. in terms of kind of propping a book open and, you know, potentially meeting someone, um, it would be a good, a good way to kind of talk and, and start a good conversation. Um, like I said, it's one of my favorite novels and like all time favorite novels. Uh, and if I were to ever write a novel, I always kind of envisioned it would be the kind of novel I'd like to write. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of go back to it, I think partially for that reason. So yeah, so good conversation piece. So what, what did you think of for international something long and, and hardy to get you over the, over the ocean? Well, actually I was, um, it's very strange because I'm not typically like this, but I was thinking more of a historical piece. Oh, Um, I actually went with Michelangelo and the Pope's ceiling by Ross King. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a fascinating nonfiction piece about uh, the politics and uh, the uh, politics in the church and getting the Sistine Chapel painted by uh, Michelangelo and what was going on during that time. It's really fascinating. I mean, the, the, the research that was done was done very well. Um, it talks about the rivalries and um, the the fighting between the different popes and commissions that got done and didn't get done and how uh, we're lucky the Sistine Chapel, Chapel even survived uh, and that somebody didn't come in and paint over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the, the young upstart... Uh, uh, Raphael, mm-hmm. <laughs> who came in and uh, caught the Pope's eye and 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 kind right. of rubbed Michelangelo wrong. So it's 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 a, a wonderful a wonderful piece. Uh, nice. piece. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, if you guys have got any suggestions, be sure and uh, send them to us on our uh, social media, either on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, also, our website. You can leave the comment. We're going to talk about this all summer. So uh, share your suggestions also. You've been listening to Game on Girl. You can find all our social media connections on our website, gameongirl.com. I'm the co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. I'm on Tumblr, Instagram, and you can email Rhonda at gameongirl.com. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, or Doc Liz, as I'm known on Twitter and Steam and many, many other places. Pretty much if there's two Zs and a Doc Liz, that's me. Um, thanks so much. Thanks so much. Thanks to Kelsey for joining us yes. on the show this week. Uh, delighted to have her. Please make sure to check out Nerdy But Flirty and Steam, Friend, uh, Steam Friends, Stream Friends, uh, dot TV. Uh, we'll have links to all her, her social media stuff up with the, with the post for this on Game On Girl. So what's the next event you have going on? I think you mentioned it in the segment, Rhonda. Utopia. Is that next? Yeah. UtopiaCon, which is in Nashville, Tennessee, it is uh, a sci-fi fantasy writers con uh, for women. Awesome, awesome. Yep. So yeah, we'll we'll look forward to hearing all about that when you get back from it. Yeah, very strong on the um, independent, independent yeah. publishers. And, yeah, smaller uh, presses, supportive group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Great. Well, I can't wait to hear. I wish I would have been able to make it out there with a, with you for that one, but so you'll have to take good notes for me. I will. Awesome. Game on Girl is available on iTunes and Stitcher streaming. These links, along with references made in the show, can be found on our website, GameOnGirl.com. This podcast is edited by Ryan Broom at Desert Tree Media, and the theme song Good Day by Triple Fox is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, game on! Game on!